Well, howdy, folks. Anthony here, coming to you from the heart of Northern Virginia in my sister's apartment with the spoiler-filled review for Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Anthony, you're like three weeks late. I've already seen 100 spoiler reviews for Spider-Man. I know, guys, okay? Uh, I did not want to rush into this review. Spider-Man means a lot to me. The original Spider-Man Raimi movies mean a lot to me, so I wanted to make sure I had time to process this movie. I wanted to make sure I gave it time to marinate. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I saw it more than once before recording a review, so I finally feel ready to like talk about it at length. I hope that's okay. And like I mentioned in the intro, this is a spoiler-filled review, so if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, click away, come back when you've seen the film. Although at this point, I'm pretty sure everyone has you know, seen the movie. And like I said earlier, Spider-Man means a lot to me. I saw Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire, directed by Sam Raimi, when I was 11 years old, with my best friend Elias at the movie theater. Um, it changed both of our lives. I became obsessed with collecting Spider-Man comics, Spider-Man action figures since then. I became obsessed with like the movie industry, box office, everything. And just a few years ago, I started a business called The Comic Stash that specializes in selling vintage comic books in Lebanon because of my love for Spider-Man and wanting to like spread the gospel of comic books, so um, I, I really love that character and I love those movies, particularly Spider-Man 2, which I saw 10 times in cinemas when I was 13 years old. So that is like my favorite movie of all time. It's a movie that I go back to every, every few years at this point. I watch it when I'm depressed. I watch it if, I don't know, man, it's, it's weird. It's like this weird ritual. It's probably an unhealthy relationship I have with Spider-Man, but anyways, we're not here to talk about that. I've liked all incarnations of Spider-Man. I love Tobey Maguire. He's obviously the OG. He's my favorite. I loved Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, although the movies weren't as great as the Tobey ones, obviously, particularly Amazing Spider-Man 2. But I always thought Andrew was an incredible actor who was incredibly likable in the role. The only, my only complaint about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is that he's way too goddamn sexy. Are you kidding me? You expect me to believe that that guy's a loser and has no friends? So other than that, he was great and I loved him. Like Tobey Maguire, you look at him, he just looks like a dweeb. You know what I mean? You buy him as Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield had a harder time believing that. But he's an incredible actor, incredibly likable. I really liked Amazing Spider-Man 1. And I even enjoy a lot of Amazing Spider-Man 2. The Spider-Man movie that like I can't stand is Spider-Man 3. Let's not talk about that one. In terms of Tom Holland, I think he's a fantastic actor. I really like him as a choice to play Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I think he's great. My only issue with him is the interpretation that like the MCU had of Spider-Man. He's way too reliant on technology. He's, he's way too attached to, to Tony Stark. So he's got access to all that money and, and tech. And like he has all these safety nets, you know, like, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man never had all of those safety nets. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man never had any safety nets. Tom Holland just felt like he had way too much on his side to like help him. And, and I just never felt like Spider-Man, like the, the, the nanotech suit, I can't stand that. It just feels like the antithesis of Spider-Man. So uh, I'm finally happy that this movie kind of whips him back into shape. So what did I think about No Way Home overall? I loved it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Definitely the second half is much, much, much stronger than the first half. The first half is a little bit wonky in how they introduce some of the characters. Um, the Doctor Strange spell, I had a hard time buying it the first time I saw the movie. Like, it felt very out of character for him. Like, how could he take such a massive risk and, like, muck up a spell like that? And they barely, like, talk about it. There's like, yeah, let's do this spell. The second time I saw the film, it was much less of an issue. I didn't care nearly, nearly as much. And it just felt very comic booky. Like, it's the type of thing you'd see in a comic book. It's just a little bit weird seeing it in a film because it's, like, so... They, like, so nonchalantly make such a massive decision that just almost destroyed the entire universe. So, like, it's just... It's a bit weird, but... It's fun. I just went along with it and it's fine. But sure enough, the Doctor Strange spell doesn't work and they end up bringing all of these different characters from different universes that know who Peter Parker is and who know his identity. So we're getting all these villains coming back 
from the older movies, from different universes. So we get Dr. Octopus, we get Green Goblin, we're getting Electro, we're getting Sandman, we're getting all of these returning villains, which I think is fucking awesome, particularly Dr. Octopus, which is my favorite Spider-Man villain, and I love Alfred Molina's performance in Spider-Man 2. He's a master, I love that, and Willem fucking Dafoe. Now, obviously, I love the first Spider-Man movie. I think Willem Dafoe's performance is bonkers, and it's amazing, but holy shit, did he steal this fucking movie. What, dude, how lucky are we to have Willem Dafoe one of the world's greatest fucking actors. I'm sorry for the cursing, but I'm just, I just love his performance so much. How lucky are we to have him playing the Green Goblin and coming back 20 years after he played that character for the first time, adding new layers to the character. And he hasn't skipped a beat, dude. Willem Dafoe is just as good today as that character as he was 20 years ago. It is incredible. He stole the show. He stole the show. And like, how quickly did Willem Dafoe make every other villain in the MCU seem like a tiny little bitch? Like, even Thanos. Even Thanos compared to the brutality and just the insanity of the Green Goblin felt like nothing. I swear to God, man, it felt like nothing. He's so menacing. The faces he makes, his eyes, everything. I, I love him. I love Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for giving us such a brilliantly brutal villain. And finally, they gave Peter a real test, man. Like, I love, like, at the end of the first Spider-Man, when Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker is fighting Green Goblin, it's bloody, it's brutal, it's not supposed to be pretty. They get into some brutal fucking fights in this one, man, and I was there for it, dude. I was fucking there. The rest of the villains don't acquit themselves that great, I would say. I really liked Electro. I thought Electro was fantastic, even though he felt like Jamie Foxx a lot. Uh, he didn't feel like the Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Is that really such a bad thing? No. I really liked Electro. I thought he was very funny. I'm glad that they gave Jamie Foxx like, the chance to just be himself and let loose. I thought it was very funny. The two villains that didn't really work from the get-go for me were Lizard and Sandman. Lizard was just like... I didn't love the interpretation of the Lizard in Amazing Spider-Man 1. And his plan to turn everyone into lizards was always very stupid. I like that they kind of made a joke about that. But he just felt like a cartoon character. He just felt very silly. And Sandman. Sandman stood out in particular because, like, in Spider-Man 3, you see Thomas Hayden Church as a human. And then he turns into sand. He's not always just, like, a sand guy. In this movie, he was just, like, in sand the whole time. So it just felt like they didn't want to bring the actor and have him there. So it stood out to me, at least. It's probably not going to bother a lot of people. But the interaction between a lot of the characters also between the villains felt very cartoony like the dialogue was maybe a bit too jokey for me at times it just didn't really work all that much but like it's just a little nitpick daredevil i almost forgot to talk about daredevil he shows up charlie cox shows up as as peter parker's lawyer i love that it got an awesome reaction from the crowd out of all the netflix marvel shows daredevil was always the best all three seasons of that show i think are badass so if they were to bring anyone back from netflix into the mcu fold I'm glad it's Daredevil. It was really nice to see him there. It was a very wonderful surprise. So let's get into where the movie really shifted for me to become a 10 out of 10. And that is the scene in Happy Hogan's apartment where Peter is trying to like heal all of the villains. He fixes Dr. Octopus's inhibitor chip. Uh, he's trying to fix uh, Electro, all of that stuff. And then his spider sense goes off. But I love the way they represented it. It kind of felt like he was having like a panic attack, an anxiety attack. It felt claustrophobic. All the audio was like very echoey. Someone asks him, hey, like what's wrong? He says, I don't know. As someone with anxiety, it, it, I just kind of could relate to that. And it was nice. And then we find out that Green Goblin has been there all along. He throws out like some badass line. Like I've been watching you through, through Norman's cowardly eyes and some shit like that. It's insane. His performance is incredible. And then he and Peter get into this brutal fucking fight where they're like body slamming each other through stories throughout like the whole building. They're punching the shit out of each other. And I love the fact that Willem Dafoe did most of his own stunts. He talked about that in an interview. 
I remember when I was 11 watching the bonus features for the first Spider-Man movie, watching him do all of his stunts. It was insane then, it's still insane now. That guy is so dedicated and I, and I love him for it. So they have this amazingly brutal fight. And then we get to probably one of the, the key scenes of the movie, the death of Aunt May. Now, you never kill Aunt May. I've only seen one Spider-Man property ever murder Aunt May. I mean, it's probably happened in the comics a bunch, but the Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4, they actually kill Aunt May at the end of that game. Spoilers. Oh, sorry about that. When I was playing that game, I cried my fucking eyes out when Aunt May dies because like Aunt May has always been a constant in Peter's life. You always kill Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is the one that dies. Gwen Stacy's the one that dies. You never fuck with Aunt May. So the fact that they killed Aunt May on the big screen, I thought was very emotional. Now, now, am I the biggest fan of Marissa Tomei's Aunt May? Not really. I think Sally Field had way more emotional moments in The Amazing Spider-Man. I think Rosemary Harris had some very impactful moments, particularly in Spider-Man 2 as Aunt May. But as soon as she tells Peter, with great power must also come great responsibility. I automatically started to tear up uh, when I was watching it the first time. The second time, as soon as she gets hit by the glider, I started to cry because I knew she was dying. And the fact that she tried to stay up the whole time and keep Peter like, I don't know, like give him comfort while she knew she was fucked and was gonna die, um, I thought was incredible and um, made me fall in love with Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. It was incredibly emotional. And the performance that Tom Holland gives when um, Aunt May is dying is also the best he's ever given. Um, it felt like he was actually seeing someone he loved die right in front of him. It was heart-wrenching and I, I cried a lot during that scene. And while that's going on, we are taken to Ned's apartment where he and Mary Jane are trying to summon Peter because they know something's gone wrong. They probably at this point know that Aunt May's been killed or something. So they're trying to find Peter and using Doctor Strange's like ring and they're trying to do that, open a portal. As they try to summon Peter Parker, they summon another Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield. So we have Andrew Garfield making his entrance into the movie. And um, I've got to say, man, Andrew Garfield stole the show. He and Willem Dafoe stole the show. He's not my favorite. Spider-Man, like I said, Tobey Maguire is my favorite. He's the OG. I'm an OG Spidey fan. It's all about Tobey. But Andrew Garfield has probably always been the be better actor of all of them. Like, I won't deny it. He's a fantastic fucking actor. And out of the three of them, he probably has the most range. And he kind of puts everyone else to shame in this movie, at least particularly Toby. Like, Toby was a little bit more stiff compared to Andrew, but Andrew Garfield absolutely killed it. And I love the fact that he's been getting so much love because his movies were kind of the, the least liked. They were kind of shat on the most, and he never got a chance to complete his trilogy. He just got the first movie, the second movie, and then it was all, like, taken away from him unceremoniously. So the fact that he, he, he's been able to get this amazing redemption is such an amazing story. And it's just so nice to see. And it couldn't have happened to like a, a nicer dude and a better actor. He's so fantastic. So his whole entrance is really funny. I really liked how they did that. And then comes the big reveal. Papa Toby, Toby Maguire comes in. And I love the fact that he looks like an old, just like an old random dude. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of balding a little bit. I like, I love the fact that they didn't de-age him. I love that we have old Peter, middle Peter with uh, with Andrew and young Peter with uh, with Tom Holland. I thought that was fantastic. And dude, I teared up as soon as Tobey Maguire showed up. Just all of those memories, dude, like 20 years of memories and of nostalgia just came flooding right back, man. It just fucking hit me like a tsunami, dude. I just saw Tobey's face as an older guy. It just hit me, man. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here now as 31. I watched those movies when I was 11. I saw Spider-Man when I was 11, so 20 years ago. So to sit in, in a theater next to my best friend, by the way, Elias was right next to me while we were watching this. The same person I saw Spider-Man 1 with 20 years ago was right by my side watching Toby again. And what can I say, man? I was crying, dude. I was fucking on the moon, man. I've been tweeting 
to Sony that I wanted to see Spider-Man 4 for years. So to, to see Toby back, man, it meant more than I can express. And please don't get me wrong, I love Toby's performance in No Way Home. He's just a little bit stiff compared to Andrew Garfield, but that's mainly because A, Toby hasn't acted in a live action movie in like seven or eight years or something. And B, his Peter Parker has always been a lot more understated than Andrew. He's always been less showy, less emotional, but I still think he was great. And he filled the role that he needed to fill as the wise mentor perfectly and beautifully. I'm just so glad we got him back especially with Andrew Garfield as like this awesome fucking bonus. So they're there talking to MJ and they're like, we feel like, you know, we need to help Peter. And Toby's like, I, I felt like I needed to help him. So they go meet up with him. We, we find uh, Tom Holland on like the roof of his like high school. He's crying his eyes out, obviously, because of Aunt May. MJ and Ned show up. He gives them a hug. He starts crying even more. And then she's like, hey, there's some people here who want to see you. And we look up and it's probably one of the nicest, sexiest fucking shots of the whole fucking movie. You see the silhouettes of Andrew and Toby on like this tower, just looking down. And it is a beautiful fucking shot, man. Like right there. I was just like audibly, I was like, wow, watching the movie. It was so fucking nice. They come down and that is, this is my favorite scene of the whole movie. It is on the rooftop as Andrew and Toby are trying to um, make Tom Holland feel better. And they're talking about their experiences, losing Uncle Ben. You know, Toby's like, I lost my Uncle Ben. Andrew's like, I lost the love of my life. I lost my Gwen, who's your MJ. That was my Gwen. I couldn't save her and I've, it's, it's haunted me ever since. He tells him how he's, he stopped pulling his punches after that happened and he's giving him a taste of, of the darkness that he experienced after her death. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love Tom Holland being like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. How could you know? And then like Andrew gives a look to Toby and they're like, yeah, that kid needs like, like we know. Who else would know? And, and there's even a line where, where um, Toby's like, I'm sorry about May. Like who else, who else would understand what Aunt May means to Tom other than, than Toby or Andrew? It, it was just, it was just so fucking fantastic, man. It, it was, it was hitting all the right notes. Toby and Andrew both trying to get Tom not to give into the darkness, both sharing their pain. It was just brilliantly fucking written, brilliantly acted, particularly Andrew Garfield. Man, whenever I get the movie on like Blu-ray or something, I'm just gonna watch that scene on fucking repeat, man. And then Tom Holland is telling them how Aunt May told him, you know, with great power. And then Toby finishes the fucking line, which also gave me goosebumps. And I probably teared up. He's like, comes great responsibility. And then Andrew looks at them and it was just fantastic. It was just fantastic. They're all there for each other. And at that point, when they talk about, you know, the with great power comes great responsibility line, it clicks and they know that they're connected they have this common destiny in a way, you know, they each come from a different universe, but they're in many ways the same. And then the movie just fucking like keeps going on this high. Like at that point, I'm like fucking high as hell on, on just like adrenaline and joy and nostalgia. I'm just like sitting there like three Spider-Man on a roof talking about with great power comes great responsibility. And they're talking about Uncle Ben and they're talking about Gwen Stacy. And it's just incredible. And then they do science together in the lab. Three Peter Parkers, three Spider-Man working together doing science. You got Andrew Garfield wearing a lab coat. You got Toby with like goggles on and like doing. I was like, dude, I can't believe I'm watching this. I can't believe I'm seeing this. I am loving every second of this. And then they start joking about like the web shooters. And then you got like Toby being like my best friend died in my arms after he tried to kill me. That was fucking hilarious. Toby and Andrew talking about dating and Andrew being like, you know what? I don't have time for that. Uh, just focus on my Spider-Man stuff. And then Toby's like, dude, like, don't give up on that. You know what I mean? Like, I made it work. You know, I made it work with, with Mary Jane. It's just that little hint. And I wish we got more, man. Like, my, one of my small complaints is that I wish we got to see 
Toby go back to Mary Jane and maybe like see like his little daughter or something. That would have been fucking crazy. But I like the fact that they kept like just little tease like, yo, I made it work. You can make it work too. So not only is Toby giving advice to, to, to Tom Holland, he's giving advice to Andrew Garfield because Toby's the big papa Spidey. He's, you know, granddaddy Spider-Man. He's the one who, who's the wisest. He's the one who's had the most life experience. He's been through that shit. So again, I was eating all that shit up. Like the pointing meme, bro. They even did the pointing meme like twice. It was, it was in the lab and then like, that's it. it was great. It was great. And speaking of memes, I can't believe that they made Willem Dafoe literally say, I'm something of a scientist myself. I loved it, okay? I was cheering when he said that, okay? Sue me. But like the, the best part is, and I guess one of my biggest surprises was that Toby and Andrew were in this movie a lot more than I thought they were going to be. Like I was concerned that they were just going to show up for like the final battle or something. It was going to be like a five minute appearance. Like fuck no, dude. These guys are legit supporting characters they're in there for a good 30 to 40 minutes or something man it was incredible and they spend a lot of time with tom holland without ever taking the story without ever like stealing the focus away from him you know what i mean i was way more enamored with with uh with andrew and toby just as a personal like fan but the focus of the story was always dead center on tom holland and i really appreciated that and then we get to the statue of liberty fight now i have a couple of complaints about that fight just in terms of like i don't think that the statue of liberty was a visually compelling enough like place to have three spider-man swinging around and doing like visually attractive action i thought the movie kind of looked a little bit ugly like the the vfx I don't know if they felt a little bit rushed or something, but the, I thought the action did not look as good as it could have. So I was a little bit disappointed in the location and like the, it was too dark. Like there's a lot that you couldn't see. Like for example, if you're gonna have three Spider-Man swinging around, I would have had the fight take place in like the middle of New York where they can swing around multiple buildings and you get all the lighting from the, from the buildings. I don't know, I, I wasn't completely in love with the location. Like it looked a little bit cheap sometimes with, this, with the scaffolding and the, I wasn't the biggest fan of, of the visuals there, but um, the action was still very, very cool. Particularly again, the interactions between the Spider-Man uh, when they're joking about the web shooters, the to Tobey Maguire talking about his back and Andrew Garfield cracking his back. Like, again, I'm like, what am I watching? I never thought I would be watching this. Tom Holland telling them that I'm in the Avengers. They're like, what the fuck is the Avengers? Like, is that a band? And then Toby, like, we got some bully, we got a little bit of bully Maguire. He's like, how's that helping? I loved it. It was hilarious. And hands down, hands fucking down, one of the greatest moments of the film, and almost everyone called it after watching the trailer, Andrew Garfield catching Mary Jane uh, as she's falling and redeeming himself for for not being able to save Gwen. And just his reaction, bro, like when he catches her, the look on his face, when he starts tearing up, I, I was tearing up right there with you, Andrew. It was incredible. Again, just highlights what an incredible performer Andrew Garfield is. And it was just such a perfect character moment. Just such a perfect character moment to give him that slight bit of redemption um, that he wasn't able to get in Amazing Spider-Man 2 and that he never got in the, you know, in, in, in a third Spider-Man film because he never got to star in one. So again, this was, I think what's great about this movie, honestly, is the redemption of Andrew Garfield. But that was such a perfect moment, perfectly acted, and just so poignant and so relevant to, to the film and to everything we've come to know from the, from the franchise. And it wasn't the only moment that made me tear up, man. There was a moment where Toby actually gets to reunite with Dr. Octopus for a couple of seconds. And he's like, oh, my dear boy, you're all grown up. Look at you. And Toby's like, yeah, just been trying to do better. Like, I teared up again there too, man. Like, again, Spider-Man 2 is my favorite movie. I saw it 10 times in cinemas to see... Toby Maguire talking to Dr. Octopus. And he's like, my dear boy, you're all grown up. I felt like he was talking to me. I'm like, I am grown up, Dr. Octopus. I am. And obviously the final fight between Green Goblin and Tom Holland. Again, kind of reminiscent of the final fight between Toby and Green Goblin at the end of Spider-Man 1. It was brutal. 
It was kind of bloody. I just love the rage in Tom Holland when he grabs the fucking uh, the glider and he's about to stab Norman Osborn. Granddaddy Toby is right there looking at him like, Don't do it. Don't do it, Tom. You don't want none of this pain. You don't want none of this guilt, Tom. Now, Toby didn't say any of that. He just gave us, you know, like, you know, the Toby face when he's holding stuff. Face that I love. That was such an incredible moment. He didn't need to say anything. Just to look in Toby's eyes like, don't do this. Like, it's not like Toby wanted the Green Goblin to ever die. He killed himself. And it's probably been haunting Toby ever since. The fact that he was partly responsible for the death of his best friend's dad. Like, the fact that he was able to stop Norman from dying. And he knows that he's going to be sending him back to that universe. Where his best friend Harry might still have a dad. Like, it's... It was great, man. It was great. And then, as, um, as Doctor Strange is telling Peter that the only way that they can fix this if is if they cast a spell to make everyone forget Peter. Doctor Strange says a line that I think went over a lot of people's heads or they just didn't notice it, where he's like, and I think I kind of wrote it down, where is it? Uh, he says, everyone who knows and loves you, we won't know who you are anymore. Like, Doctor Strange is including himself in the category of people who love Peter Parker. And I just found that very endearing and very sweet, especially when you watch the, the beginning of the movie. You feel like Doctor Strange is very annoyed by Peter and he just wants to get rid of him. To hear him say that, like, I fucking love you, man. Like, I don't want to forget who you are. That was that was kind of touching and it came, like, out of left field. But it was very it was a very nice moment. And obviously they do the spell as the multiverse is cracking and you get to see a couple of, like, silhouettes of villains, like, appearing and stuff. Um, he does the spell. MJ and Ned forget who Peter is. So near the end of the film, he shows up to the coffee shop to tell MJ and Ned who he is and try to, you know, bring back their memories. But then he sees a cut on MJ's forehead. He's like, you know what? I'm going to leave these people alone. They seem much happier without me. And that's where he goes to his shitty apartment, which I fucking love. An apartment, which I might add, looks a lot like Tobey Maguire's apartment in Spider-Man 2. And you hear the landlord being like, well, rent is due at the beginning of each month. Tom tries to turn on the light. Light doesn't work. The sink looks shitty. I love that, man. I love that. He's got no connection to Tony Stark. He's broke. He's poor. He's got no access to money anymore. He's got no nanotechnology suit, which I hate. You see him sewing his own fucking costume, a homemade costume with no technology. This is what Spider-Man's always been about, yo. It was never about the nanotechnology. It was never about the suit. It was never about Edith or all of that. You know what I mean? It was about responsibility. It was about choice. It was about suffering. And we finally got that. And he even has like the, you know, the police thing on his phone. He's listening to, to all the calls. Then he jumps out of his window and we have a beautiful, like finally a Spider-Man film. And the MCU ends with Peter swinging around the city with this like bright blue suit. It's beautiful. It literally is the Spider-Man we've been wanting to see. So I'm finally extremely excited like for Spider-Man 4. Now we've, we're finally going to get the Peter Parker that, that I've known and loved. Peter needs to be alone. He needs to be depressed. He needs to be broke. He needs to be poor. Like, I'm sorry. They tried it the other way around with Tom Holland and Tony Stark and all that, and it just, it just didn't work. So this is how Spider-Man is supposed to be. He's got to go through those rites of passage. He's got to lose either Uncle Ben or Aunt May or someone. You know, he's got, he's got to go through suffering. It's not fair, okay? But that's, that's the job that comes with being Peter Parker, man. You've got to suffer. I think that's it. I think these are my overall thoughts. I'm sorry if it was all over the place. I had a lot of things written down. I probably forgot to mention a lot of things. So you guys, please let me know in the comments if I did not mention something that you like. I was just very happy with this movie, man. As an OG Spider-Man fan, as someone who loves... Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. I think we got an amazing movie where they all got a chance to shine. We got a glimpse into the Spider-Man 4 that never was. We got a glimpse into the amazing Spider-Man 3 that never was. Two films that I hope we still end up getting one day. It was great seeing Tobey back. Um, as someone who was 11 years old when that first Spider-Man movie came out, again, it just, man, 
took me back to my childhood in ways that I cannot describe. Um, I cried multiple times in that movie. It's the first Spider-Man MCU film that makes me cry. Um, I think, as stupid as that might sound, I think you need to cry in a Spider-Man movie. If a, mo if a Spider-Man movie doesn't make you tear up at least once, I think it has failed. Um, all the best ones make you tear up. Even Spider-Verse, I think, was incredibly emotional. So for this one to finally reach that level of all-time great Spider-Man films, it's up there with Spider-Verse. It's up there with Spider-Man 2. What a fantastic achievement by, by Marvel, by Sony. They gave us three Spider-Man on the big screen together. Kicking ass, uh, being funny, interacting with each other, and staying true to the character. Whew, all right, I think I talked a whole lot. I think it's a good time to wrap this up. I've probably forgotten to say a lot of things. This is where you guys come in in the comments section. Please let me know if I forgot to mention like one of your favorite scenes, your favorite jokes, something you hated about the film. I didn't really talk about the fact that you could feel like a lot of the scenes were shot like weirdly because of COVID. Like a lot of actors were recorded like separately on their own in front of a green screen and were kind of like stitched into the film. I kind of felt like that was kind of an issue that took me out of it sometimes but it's just a nitpick, it's fine. Crazy fucking movie, please leave a like on this video, leave a comment, engage with this video, folks. Your engagement does a lot to help. Subscribe to the channel if you have not yet become a Do Not Warrior. The podcast is coming back soon, so stay tuned for that. And as usual, folks, do not worry. Do not